Just a disclaimer here that today's episode is for educational purposes only. While our guest is a seasoned professional in credit advice, it's not personalized advice. Please consult a financial professional for your unique needs. So let's say, for instance, you have a credit card that has a 22% interest rate. The annual percentage on that is not, it's 22%, meaning it's charged to you on an annual basis. So if you carry a balance of $1,000 for 12 months for the year, then you're going to pay 22% on that, right? Now, if you're trying to calculate how much interest you're spending daily or monthly, you'll just divide that 22% by 365 days or 22% by 12 months to determine how much interest you're paying on your balances every day or every month. And then as long as you pay your balances off, then you'll pay minimal interest. But that's generally how credit card interest works. It's called simple interest, mainly because it's calculated daily and it's billed to you on a monthly basis. So that is, yeah, that's like a whole training on its own, but that's generally how the APR on credit cards work. Got it. But that makes sense, though. All right. So that that definitely makes sense as far as how they factor in interest rates, especially once you don't make a payment. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. I'm your host, Caspi Bias. Welcome back to the second part of this enlightening journey into the world of credit scores and financial empowerment. If you missed the first part of this episode, you're in for a treat. We had the pleasure of having the incredible Jerry Tolliver, CEO and founder of Fly Credit, sharing her knowledge on understanding, building, and improving your credit score. Let's dive right back in to the conversation with Jerry as she continues to empower young professionals on their path to financial success. If you're a fan of our podcast, you're going to love the Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias animated series. Each week alongside our podcast episodes, we release captivating animated teasers that capture the essence of every conversation. To check out this animated series, head over to the show description where you'll find a direct link waiting for you. Welcome back to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. Let's go through a step-by-step example, specifically to calculate the impact of a young professional's missed payment on their credit score and the total amount that they owe. Okay. I'm going to make up an imaginary character or person. His name is Jim. I don't know why I picked that name. That's just what he's what this person's name is today. So let's say that Jim has opened up a credit card account, but Jim has a bill recently of a thousand dollars with a minimum payment of twenty-five dollars due. Okay. So let's say he doesn't pay that bill at all. He's dodging, as I said, like collections, and he faces a penalty of twenty twenty percent. How is his credit affected in this scenario? Okay. So with credit cards, you have two different payment dates. You have the due date and then you have the 30 day late date. Now the due date is the date where, you know, your credit card payment is due. As long as you pay it on time, you're good. But about 15 days, actually not even 15 days, a day or so, if you don't pay it, then they'll go into issue a late fee. 
And this penalty is usually about $35 one-time fee, but you also risk your interest rate raising on your credit card if you pay it late. So it can affect your credit by raising your interest rate on the credit card, therefore making it more expensive to even use the credit card. And then what happens is about 30 days after the due date, if you haven't paid it, that's when you get a 30 day late. Now, this is when it's going to report on your credit. You can pay the credit card literally 29 days late and it will not report to your credit. It's when you get to 30 days or more late that it starts to report to your credit and it starts to hurt your credit score. Now, I've done this before mistakenly. I thought that I had put my credit card on auto bill, but apparently I did it like in the middle of the cycle. So it wasn't going to pick up until the next cycle. That's what makes me nervous. That's why I be checking my account like, are you sure that it actually auto paid? Let me put some extra money in here just in case. Like I'm super nervous. I'm like paranoid. But yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I thought I put it on auto pay. I did put it on auto pay, but apparently it just wasn't the auto payment wasn't going to process until the next billing cycle. And I didn't know that. So I missed a payment and it dropped my scores over a hundred points. Now, the thing with late payments is it's going to have a bigger effect if it's like your first late payment. Now, if you're paying late all the time, like consistently every month, it's not going to have as big of an impact. But if you have never paid late, and this is your first late payment, it is going to drastically impact your credit score. So just don't pay late because one, you're going to get hit with late fees. Two, you're going to have a higher interest rate on your credit card because of the late pay, making it expensive for the card to be in your wallet. And then lastly, you're just going to be, you're going to ruin your credit scores basically. And late pays can be a little hard to recover from. Now, if this is your first late payment, you can actually call the bank and ask them for a goodwill adjustment. And a goodwill adjustment is basically you calling the bank and saying, hey, bank, I'm sorry, I thought I had it on auto pay or I mistakenly missed the payment or I thought I processed it. Just give them your spiel. And then they can reverse the late payment for you. They can take that late payment off of your credit reports and your scores will go back up. That's what I ended up doing since it was my first late pay. It was an honest mistake and they reversed it for me. So I got my points back, raised my scores back up. And so that is an option that Jim, that Jim can take. (laughs) Awesome. Well, that's great. So just to make sure I have all the numbers. So Jim... So he has that bill of $1,000 and he didn't pay the minimum payment. So the time comes past and it says, okay, you have to pay 20%. Is that... So that generally doesn't happen. So that generally doesn't happen with credit cards. Whenever you pay your credit card late, they just issue a late fee and it's usually just a one-time late fee. All right. So that whole 20%, 20%, that that would be the late fee that that he'd have to pay. Since he's, it's a penalty of 20%. That's where the late fee would come into play? The late fees, they're not calculated on a percentage. Your late fee is literally just a one-time late fee. So you'll see the late fee amount when you when you get your credit card. What do you call it? Like a term? They have like terms and conditions. So it'll lay out all the fees that'll be associated with that credit card. If you pay it late, they'll charge you a $35 fee. and Or if you pay it late, they'll raise your, your interest rate on that card a few points. But as far as like a 20% fee or a 30% fee for paying late, that's not generally something that happens with credit cards. You'll just pay a flat fee of a very specific amount. 
and they'll just raise your interest rate or they'll lower your credit limit. They'll do a couple other things, but they won't generally charge you a percentage on a fee for paying late. Okay. And then as far as like that interest rate, mm-hmm. they since they bumped it up, how long does that stay on there? Usually forever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I yeah, thought of Cardi right. B saying like forever. It's usually going to go up or if you like go over your credit limit, they'll penalize you for that too. Because you have penalty APR. So whenever you open up a credit card, y'all read that information that they send you, the paperwork that they send you with their credit cards, because it la- it lays out all the fees. They have penalty APR. They have late fees. They have cash advance fees the interest rate, these things matter. So just make sure that you check that that information that's sent with the credit card because it's all laid out on that paperwork. Would you be able to go into a little bit more of as far as APR in general for our audience? Oh, so APR is a, it's a long conversation, but just to try to keep it short and simple with your APR, let's say for instance, you have a 20, 22% interest rate on your credit card and your interest rates on your credit cards, they go up and down. They're based on the market. They're based on the economy. So they fluctuate. They're very, they're variable interest rates. They're not fixed. So let's say for instance, you have a credit card that has a 22% interest rate. The annual percentage on that is not it's 22%, meaning it's charged to you on an annual basis. So if you carry a balance of $1,000 for 12 months for the year, then you're going to pay 22% on that, right? Now, if you're trying to calculate how much interest you're spending daily or monthly, you'll just divide that 22% by 365 days or 22% by 12 months to determine how much interest you're paying on your balances every day or every month. And then as long as you pay your balances off, then you'll pay minimal interest. But that's generally how credit card interest works. It's called simple interest, mainly because it's calculated daily and it's billed to you on a monthly basis. So that is, yeah, that's like a whole training on its own, but that's generally how the APR on credit cards work. Got it. But that makes sense, though. All right. So that that definitely makes sense as far as how they factor in interest rates, especially once you don't make a payment. Yeah. People generally have a misconception about credit card interest. They're like, oh, it's 22% a month. You're paying 22%, but it's 22% for the year. And they have it set up that way because credit cards are open-ended, meaning that when you use it and pay it off, you can use it again. It's not like a loan where when you get a loan, you pay it off, you have to reapply. So with loans, loan they know when you're going to pay it off. You're going to pay it off in two years, three years, four years. But with credit cards, credit card companies don't know when you're going to pay your balance off. So that's the reason why they calculate that interest on a yearly basis and not on a monthly basis. It's 22% for the year, not for the month. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. That's a really so, good question, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, let's uh, bring up another scenario. So let's say that Jim pays the minimum payment on his credit card which is $25, but he doesn't pay, he doesn't pay the full remaining balance that's left after. So $975 by the end of the billing cycle. How is his credit card payment and credit score affected then? It doesn't really change really, because as long as he's paying the minimum payment, that means that the credit card is going to be paid on time. But one of the things that I don't really suggest is paying the minimum payment. And here's why. Paying the minimum payment on a credit card balance is like 
putting a teaspoon of water on a full blazing fire. What happens is that $1,000 is going to take probably two years to pay off at the minimum payment. So I don't, it's never really smart to pay the minimum payment. It's always smart to either pay the balance in full or put as much money as you possibly can towards the balance so that you can minimize your debt, lower your interest payments, and overall free yourself from the trouble that comes along with credit card debt. (laughs) I've been in enough credit card debt in my life. (laughs) Put the fire out. Put an extinguisher or something on it, not a teaspoon of water. It's not going to work. And you're going to be frustrated because it's going to feel like the balance isn't disappearing. It's going to it's going to feel that way. Put more than the minimum payment on the credit card because it's hard to outpace 22 percent interest with a twenty five dollar minimum payment. (laughs) It's it's hard to do that. (laughs) Yes, the struggle will definitely be real for that. Oh, my gosh. Are there any other points as far as figuring out what your credit is without being dinged for checking it? Like how? What are ways, what are like specific ways that you can find out or what are specific resources that you can use to find out what your credit is? Dinging without, your credit score. Yeah, without dinging your credit score. So the, the good news is when you check your own credit, you never get dinged. It's when other people check your credit that you get dinged. So oh, when lenders or employers or maybe insurance companies, they do usually soft pulls in your credit. But if you're applying for like a loan, mortgage, car loan, student loans, they will... That, that'll, those will be hard dings because these are entities that's looking to lend to you. But whenever you check your own credit, it never it's never a ding because you're a consumer. You're protected by consumer laws. So you have the right to be able to pull your credit. In fact, you can pull your credit reports for free once a year using annualcreditreport.com. The thing with annualcreditreport.com, though, is that they don't give you your your scores. So if you do want your scores, you are going to have to pay for them. And you should know too, that you have more than one credit score. The most common are your FICO credit score and your Vantage Vantage 3.0 score. You'll see Vantage scores pretty much everywhere. Credit Karma has Vantage scores. Your credit card company sometimes will give you Vantage scores. And it'll show it like right under the score usually in your credit monitoring accounts. So if you have Credit Karma or something like that, you could take a look at your scores there. But just know that's not your true FICO score. If you want your true FICO score, you're going to have to go to myfico.com. That's where you're going to see your true FICO credit scores. So I always suggest people to look at their credit score before they apply for anything so that you won't be blindsided. Because a lot of the times people say, well, I checked my credit on Car Credit Karma and it said it was a 700. But then when they checked it at the bank, it was a 640. I'm like, that's because they're looking at different scoring models. So banks are generally going to look at your FICO score. So always pull your FICO at myfico.com to get your true scores and make sure that you're prepared for whatever you're applying for. And just to go more into that too, like we get like three different types of scores. What's the difference between all of them? FICO score? Huh? (laughs) It's mostly the way it's calculated. So the Vantage score is calculated just a little differently than the FICO. FICO is based on those five categories and Vantage is more so based on five categories with subcategories. The payment history is calculated a little differently and how they calculate utilization is just a bit different. So you could think of it as like 
an algorithm. You know how Facebook and Instagram, they're always changing their algorithms or they're updating their algorithms. That's exactly what a credit score generally is. It's a financial algorithm to determine, do you qualify for these financial opportunities in the marketplace? Just know though that Vantage scores are only for if you're just just trying to check your credit. They're generally usually free, but FICO scores are never free unless you have a credit card. (laughs) A credit card company will sometimes give you like one of your scores because you do have three. You have your Experian, your Equifax, and TransUnion. So you'll be able to get all three at MyFICO. You'll know what your scores are. You'll be prepared. And, you know, you'll just always be in the know. This does bring me to my next question as far as making big purchases, such as like buying your first house. And I would say this is more of like a bonus question for those who are a little bit knowledgeable as far as like credit scores and everything. But let's say that you make a big purchase, like buying your first home. Since you've already made or since you're already making timely mortgage payments that contribute positively to your credit history, how important is it to continue building credit through other ways? I think it's really important, mainly because it's going to open up a lot of other doors and opportunities because buying a house, one, buying a house is a really big investment. And it takes a lot of preparation. (laughs) Buying a house is a big decision. It's a big investment, but I think it's always worth it because when you own, this is something that I learned in the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, that one of the biggest principles to, to building wealth is to own your own dwelling, which is own your own home. And for some people, it can feel impossible to qualify for a home, but it's really not that hard. You can get a house with a 580 credit score. What I suggested, not really, because you're going to get hit with like high interest rates, but you can get yourself to like a 640 and qualify for a really decent home loan. Preparing for the down payment and everything is important. At some point, maybe you may decide to sell your house and you may want to go buy another home or maybe you want to make an investment into some some real estate or property. Always continuing to grow your credit, build your credit is very important. And I should also mention that having a mortgage on your credit is excellent. Mortgages weigh the heaviest on your credit score, mainly because it's challenging to get. It's pretty hard to get for the most part compared to car loans and credit cards. So when you get a home loan and you get a mortgage, it does weigh very heavily on your credit and it contributes to that credit mix that we were talking about. Continuing to build your credit through getting more credit cards would be very helpful. You'll be surprised that maybe you're going to need more credit cards because you may have to replace a roof or some more refrigerators or washers and dryers or who knows, things happen. I had to replace the windows in the house. It cost me $10,000. And luckily I had a credit card and I had good credit. So I was able to get the financing through Felco and they replaced the windows. I didn't have to pay $10,000 out of my own pocket. So it gives you flexibility to make purchases. It gives you opportunity to pay it off later over time. And you still are able to get things done in the process. Jerry, this has been a, a very informative conversation. Thank you again so much for coming on. And are there any final tidbits or pieces of advice that you have for our audience as far as how to understand, build, or improve their own credit scores? Yeah, I would honestly, I would just say start sooner than later. 
Start getting really educated on your credit. Start understanding the ins and outs of it because it's going to benefit you so grateful, just greatly as you just adult, right? As you get older, as you go through life, you may decide that you want to start a business. You're going to need credit for that. You will need to buy a house. You're going to need credit for that. You want to get a good job. Sometimes you need credit for that. You need insurance for the car, credit for that apartments credit for that. So don't miss opportunities in your life or have opportunities pass you by only because of a three digit score. I have a 19 year old sister and she is constantly asking me credit questions. (laughs) Should I get this credit card or should I do this or should I pay this off? And I don't want to use my cash. And I have to give her insight on how to think about her credit differently. Because when you start thinking about your credit differently, you use it differently, you behave differently, and you'll have way better outcomes when you use it the way I teach you to. So as long as you do the right thing, as long as you are very well informed and you understand how to play the game, then you'll know how to win. Because let's be 100, right? If you want to have relationships with the top banks, American Express, Citibank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and you want to have some really great credit cards and options for yourself, then this is going to be worth taking the time out to do. It only takes a couple of years and time flies when you're adulting. One minute you have bad credit and the next minute you got 41 credit cards. So there's so much on the other side of having good credit that you just don't want to miss out on. Never, ever ignore your credit. Always keep your eyes on it. Always protect it. And if you damage it, it's okay because you do have the right to be able to repair your own credit. And I'll be more than happy to teach you all how to be able to do it. So I I know from, from experience that it doesn't matter where you are right now. You can have excellent credit scores. You can get approved for whatever you want. There, The sky is a limit, honestly. There's so many opportunities out here that if you just don't prepare yourself for it, you're going to miss it. Jerry, thank you so much for coming on to Adulting 101 with Cassidy Bias. And as always, thank you, audience, for listening. Tune in next week for an all new episode of Adulting. I'm Cassidy Bias. Talk to you next time. Adulting 101 with Cassidy Bias is a production of C Bias Productions, LLC. For more episodes of Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias, visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.